Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up. Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs. Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. Wednesday, September 5th, 2018, and welcome to episode number 117 of WCWS Radio Network's weekly pop culture review show. This is WCWS Outside the Ropes. Once again, this is Mr. WCWS Chad Hinshaw back on the line here with you as we get set. Of course, like I said, talk about everything in the world of pop culture as we always do. If you want me here this evening to help me call the play-by-play, so I always say that as well. Is <laughs> the Iceman, J.D. Jared Girolamo. J.D. is a 2015 and 17 WWS Hall of Famer and also part of the team that brings you WWS Raw Radio every Monday afternoon right here on TalkShoot.com. Uh, J.D., of course, welcome to 117 of Outside the Ropes. Good to be here. And, of course, tonight here, folks, uh, we'll be, uh, as, we, as we always do, bring you, of course, the latest... Uh, Pop culture news and views going on here to our friends at 411 Mania and other sources as well. Uh, as for our fun time, uh, we'll we'll, uh, we'll come up with a little something here where we're going to be like said one man short this evening. Uh, the human suplex machine John Gross will not be here with us due to attending uh, something I believe in D.C. There, J.D. I think if I'm not too much mistaken, yeah. there as you said. Okay, thank you very much. So, uh, but if you still want to join us here, folks, and listen to what we have to say here on 117 of Outside the Ropes, feel free to give us a call right here, 1-605-562-0444, call ID 141-387-POUND, and press that one if you want to chime in on everything that we have to talk about here this evening. Let's go ahead and bring you, of course, what we have on hand here. First off, let's start off with... Uh, what we have going on here on what's being developed very courtesy of 411mania.com. We do thank 411mania.com for allowing us here in the radio network to read their stories each and every each and every night here on all of our shows in the radio network, including in addition outside the ropes, of course, Revolution, Wolfpack, Power Hour, uh, <clears throat> Raw Radio, and of course uh, others indeed. Uh, let's, let's see here what we have here. Mm. Okay, let's see. Um, okay, we'll bring you this one here to start things off. Uh, Joseph Lee brings us this story here today, tonight as apparently Kim Kardashian meets with Donald Trump on prison reform. Okay. Uh, let me see here. And, uh, Boy, I tell you what, Kardashian has those big lips, man. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me there. TMZ reports that Kim Kardashian West has met with the president as administration to talk about prison reform. And 
for the release of She flew to Washington in the night from Los Angeles. Person she wants to release is Chris Young, a 30-year-old who has served 10 years to a life sentence in Tennessee for cocaine and marijuana. <clears throat> okay. She was previously in the on the wrongful conviction podcast where she said that she spoke with Young and promised to help free him. She also had regular contact with Jared Kushner, who was passionate about prison reform, especially with extended sentences. She's trying to convince Trump to feel the through a reform legislation. As Hogan Gidley said, White House members of the administration are holding a listening session about the clemency process. The discussion is mainly to improve that process cases. Huh. What else we have? Other members at the meeting include Kushner, Van Jones, and Judge Kevin Sharp, who sentenced Young. Do you think that Kim Kardashian could convince Donald Trump to do anything? Uh, Kim Kardashian is a piece of work. What can you say about her? She finds a way to just basically do anything and everything, however. She seems to be a diva, just like the president, however, like I said, however. I mean, like I said, she uh, showed up, of course, however, like I said, however, and talked, however, about, I guess, however, some guy, however, that she never met before. I mean, this was similar to what she had done earlier in the year, however. I mean, what is she trying to do? Be the president's new little uh, bestie, if you will? I mean, come on. It just it just makes me sick. Like I said, this is just, like I said, another example here. My own personal opinion, uh, just uh, uh, the celebrities out there in the world trying to play a little bit, play a little bit of favor with... Uh, um, with the with the president, of course, you know, knowing who, knowing of course who he is, um, and everything like that. So we'll just have, we'll have to wait and see what what if anything if, if it does go out if anything does come up for this. Uh, I'll be surprising actually if it does. I'll be honest with you. Uh, a couple more here we'll bring here to bring here. Actually, just looking at this is kind of interesting here. And JD's mighty thirsty, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, but that's quite all right. But uh, Joseph Lee brings us this story right here. Uh, Fox and Network, believe, believe it or not, uh, adding live boxing to their 2018-19 lineup. I'm going to bring this to everyone's attention. The Wall Street Journal reports that 21st Century Fox has signed a four-year deal with premier boxing champions and will air live boxing as part of the Fox 2018-19 lineup. The boxing specials will begin as early as this December. Fox Sports 1 will also carry events, as will pay-per-view. This comes after the network acquired both Thursday Night Football and WWE SmackDown, continuing rumors that it will air far less scripted television than it once did. It also follows the sale of 20th Century Fox to Disney. The deal with WWE was signed in June, and we'll see SmackDown air every Friday starting on October the 4th of next year. The focus will remain the same as it has been. Walden said, we are definitely in the development process, and the mix of programming will remain as it was in the past decade. We are launching shows all season long, and I don't anticipate that to change. Let's see what that's and okay, that's that's all for that right there. Uh, JD, what uh, like it, we we talked about this as well, you know, especially like I said, Fox uh, acquiring SmackDown next year. Uh, what do you think about this with them? This announcement here that they're making uh, about bringing live boxing to their lineup. They're trying anything they can, however, just to make sure people are paying to stay. Tune to their network. I mean, will it be a good thing? Will it be a bad thing? Time will tell. But I mean, right now, UPN and my network TV is trying to do something about it, though. Oh yes, indeed. And of course, we're, we're going to have to we're going to be watching this very carefully here as a as a as a as a continuing battle of the networks proceeds on. Uh, and a couple of uh, let's see here. 
And, a, and, I, and I, what we're going to do now, I'm going to bring a couple of wrestling stories here. Now, I'll turn everything over to JD. I know JD has a bunch he wants to talk about here. Uh, and, and this this uh, one wrestling tidbit here, something about something having to do with this past Saturday's All In event. Interesting. Jeremy Thomas brings us this story right here as Marty Skrull denies his All In match forced main event forced main event to be cut down and also talks about the curtain call absence. Marty Skrull appeared on the primetime with Sean Mooney podcast and addressed claims as all in match caused the main event to be cut short. Here's highlights of the interview below via Wrestling Inc. Uh, reports that his match with Kazuchika Okada ran well over there a lot of time. Marty Skrull first off started laughing and then he said, Normally, I don't like to reveal the curtain back too much, but in this case, I will. My match would admit one minute over. People were saying like 14 minutes over. No, the show ran 14 minutes over. A bunch of the other matches went over. Our matches crucified because we were the match before last. Looks like all these guys went over. No, 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 no. The show went over. On being told to keep everything in by Nick Jackson, Marty School said, before I went out, Nick Jackson said to me and Okada, guys, whatever you do, don't cut anything. Just do whatever you do, even if it goes dark tonight. Just do what you got to do. And I'll not be present for the curtain call, uh, Marty School says. Didn't know if I was in the semi-main main match, so I finished my match. I've cooled down. And I was in the shower. I didn't know it was going on. I didn't have a clue. Anyway, thinking about all this involving Marty School and the show this past Saturday. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Of course, we'll of course we'll pass this along here to, of course, our our to our good friend Black Widow Michelle Lynn Nods. I'm sure she's probably heard about this. We'll pass on this story here to her. Um, indeed. And one more, uh, one more here, uh, and this is going to be very interesting here. This, this is actually going to talk about uh, something that happened on Raw Monday night, JD. Some WWE news. Uh, Larry Zonka brings this here. Uh, but first off, one reason here, the reason why James Ellsworth was at, Smack, was at SmackDown, plus explains how the shield got out of jail on, during Monday Night Raw. Oh, I got to hear this explanation. <laughs> this is going to be good. Let's see let's see let's see let's see what uh, they have to say right here. The shield were arrested, processed and met in front of a judge report that Dean released and returned to the arena during Raw. Corey Graves explained how this happened on a holiday. <clears throat> uh, let's see. Uh, Corey Graves put on his Twitter account here. Uh, he made a, he actually did this it actually he took credit for this jd i don't know if you want you think about this said this yesterday made a few calls this made a few, this is said uh let's say on the fourth yes so he calls i guess that was yesterday morning turns out at david otunga has a judge friend on this and called labor day favor for the shield everybody can relax now at Microme WWE hashtag Raw. At his handle, by the way, JD, I love this. The great Corey Graves. Oh my God. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> so, yeah, at WWE Graves, by the way, is the Twitter handle if you want to read that right there. And here's the thing about Ellsworth. According to PW Insider, James Ellsworth was at, was backstage at last night's SmackDown because he was there to film something related to the female superstars of the company. What do, you t- what do you think about these two developments here? Okay, I'll talk about okay, the Marty Squirrel issue, issue too. First off, mm-hmm. however, I did not know, however, that they were going to do something like uh, basically, however, uh, like I said, however, uh, uh, that they were going to do something like that How, as far as a current call, however, mind you, however. And uh, like I said, how I was surprised they went with this. How I mean, they haven't done that however, since the quick farewell. I mean, maybe they had permission, maybe they didn't have permission. We really don't know. However, but if they, he was given permission to do it, however, and they said it was okay, however, then it was uh, interesting to see them do something like that. But if he wasn't given permission to do it, I mean, and he decided to break, 
the old uh, tradition, however, and do that, however. Oh, uh, Michelle just messaged me, and we do have some breaking news in, too, as well. Pentagon Jr., according to reports, has now signed with WWE. Who has? Pentagon Jr. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Yep, Michelle just messaged me, said, ahem, breaking news. And I said, what's up? And then she writes, Pentagon Jr. apparently has signed with WWE. Oh, my God. That's something we'll be, that we'll be talking about tonight. That's indeed. Yep. So. But uh, getting back, but getting back to the Marty, but getting back to the Marty Squirrel issue, for just a minute, however, uh, like I said, I'm a little surprised, Tyler, that they would do something like that, though. I mean, I really would, however, mind you, uh, considering the fact, however, they, uh, like I said, however, uh, like I said, they would go that way, however. But the question is, however. Uh, That's on my mouth there. I got it. Anyway, so like I was saying, unless he was given special permission to do this, however, so be it, however. But at the same time, if he wasn't given permission, I don't think he gave, cared really, however, what anyone thought or everyone thought, however. So, yeah, it was a little surprising to see this happen. I don't know if there's been video shown of it, however, to say the least, however. Maybe it was. Maybe he was given permission to do it, and maybe he told them that he was going to do it. Or if he didn't give permission or didn't tell anyone to do it and did it on his own, so much the better. I mean, we'll have to keep an eye on this story. Now, as far as the James Ellsworth thing, I mean, really? Do they really want him to do some documentary work, however, with the ladies, however? And that's why he was backstage last night, however, at the show in Detroit, however. I mean, come on. Give me a break. Next thing you know, you're going to probably put a dress on him and a wig, however, and maybe false eyelashes and lipstick and make him look like Santino Morel's uh, sister Santina. And they might have something related to Ellsworth Tower in making him dress up in drag, which would be a total joke in every sense of the word. Uh, as far as the great Corey Graves uh, Twitter thing, how I mean, really? To quote the Miz, really? You're really calling yourself the great Corey Graves because... You uh, basically figure that uh, basically are taking credit that uh, David Otonga, however, had a lawyer friend to bust the shield, let the shield out of their little uh, predicament that they were in on Monday. I mean, come on. To quote Gorilla Monsoon, give me a break already. Seriously. I would definitely agree. Uh, so we'll definitely talk more about this during the course of our shows here tonight. And uh, so, in the meantime, here, folks, that's all I'll have here for 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 my part in the news. Here, let's see what JD has on hand here in of course, in his in his his uh, uh, in his news and all the news he's got uh, lined up ready to go. JD, please go ahead, and take it. Okay. Well, as Michelle said, Pentagon Junior has now apparently. Hold on a second. You. Anyway, uh, okay, sorry about that. Anyway, here is your box office Labor Day report for the week. Crazy Rich Asians for the third week in a row was the top movie of the weekend, taking in another 29, or excuse me, 20, yeah, 21.9 or 22 million. However, so far on a budget of 30 million in just three weeks, it has made over 110 and a half million dollars. The Meg Howard continues to do pretty well, however, finishing with number t- number two with 10 and a half million. So far, in less than a month, on a budget of 130 million, it has made 120 and a half million. Mission Impossible Fallout, however, rose up a spot. However, from fourth to third, with seven more million. In six weeks' time, on a budget of 170 million, it has already made 204, near 204 and a half million. Searching might have been the biggest surprise of the weekend. The very intense thriller starring John Cho, best known. Uh, as Harold uh, Lee, however, for the Harold and Kumar movies, however, in this intense thriller drama, however, made six million dollars this week. However, between six and six and a half million dollars, however, mind you, and is now uh, has jumped up to be in the top five this week. Finally, Operation Finale, however, mind you, however, I think that's the one with uh, Wahlberg, if I'm not mistaken, and Ronda Rousey, however. 
Uh, let's see here. I think that's the one. Nope, that's the Ben Kingsley movie. My mistake, however. Sorry about that. Uh, however, it made $6 million, however, this week, however, and finished a little bit behind searching to round out the top five. In less than a week's time, however, on a budget of $24 million, it has already made, depending on if you're, uh, what you're reading, however, between $6 million and $7.8 million. Now, new movies out this week include the following. However, I just saw this. Give me a minute here. Okay, here we go. The Nun, starring a uh, bunch of no-names, but basically what it is, a priest with a haunted past, past and a no-vice, how on the threshold of her final vows, are sent by the Vatican to investigate the death of a young nun in Romania and confront a male violent force, male volant force in the form of a demon nun. Sort of like The Exorcist in a way, but even creepier. Peppermint, starring Jennifer Garner, stars a revenge story on a young mother who finds herself with nothing to lose and is now going to take from her enemies the very life they stole from her family, however. Uh, Jordan Sparks and Ladanian Tomlinson, football star, starring God Bless the Broken Road. While grieving the loss for her husband, her financially struggling widow meets a race car driver, however. Uh, let's see, what else? Bisbee 17, however, Western Horror, starring, however, uh, uh, Mike Anderson Horror, in which an old mining town on the Arizona-Mexico border finally reckons with its darkest day, the deportation of 1,200 immigrant miners, miners exactly 100 years ago. Locals collaborate to stage re- recreations of their controversial past, horror. again, it's called Bisbee 17, and that, I believe, is set to open up today. And finally, however, the apparition, in which a journalist is sent by the Vatican to investigate a young girl claiming to be visited by the Virgin Mary, signed Vincent uh, Lindon, however, is due out this week as well. But right now, I can tell you right now, the only two moves that could maybe, maybe challenge our crazy rich Asians could be the nun and peppermint. But right now, early speculation has the nun maybe being not so much of a big hit and peppermint getting very poor somewhat not so pos- much positive reviews this coming weekend, but you never know. Meanwhile, however, the NFL season is going to be officially underway tomorrow night at 8.30 p.m. at Lincoln Financial Field in the city of Brotherly Love as the defending champion. The Philadelphia Eagles will take on the Atlanta Falcons. Carson Wentz will not start the game for the Eagles and instead will go to their Super Bowl MVP, Nick Foles, in the game. Other games this week include, however, Pittsburgh versus Cleveland. However, and speaking of Pittsburgh, running back superstar Le'Veon Bell has not reported to the Steelers yet, however, even though he was supposed to report by... This past week, however, over the last day or two, and even again today, Bell did not show up and already has angered most of the team, his teammates and coaches thus far, and is threatening to sit out possibly the entire season, however, until he gets what he wants, however. But early speculation has it he may or may not be back with the team possibly until maybe sometime later in the year or possibly early next week, however, after the Sears play their game against Cleveland this Sunday. As of now, James Conner, who beat cancer at one point, however, mind you, in college, however, is set to be the starting running back for the Steelers this coming Sunday in their game in Cleveland as they will take on the Browns. The Browns, of course, have said that they will possibly go back and forth with their quarterbacking heading into this week's opening game, rotating between free agent Tyrod Taylor, who they picked up earlier this offseason, and their number one draft pick that they drafted in the NFL draft earlier this season, Baker Mayfield. Other games this week include Dallas versus Carolina at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte at 4.30 this Sunday, Washington versus Arizona in Arizona, Chicago versus Green Bay on the Sunday night game of the week in which Khalil Mack, who earlier last week got a big raise, however, six years, a whomping $141 million, will take him and his new teammates up to Wisconsin, if you will, to play Aaron Rodgers and the $34 million man himself, however, at Lambeau Field this Sunday night on the Sunday night game of the week, however, on opening night, however, this coming Sunday on NBC at 8.30. Now, on Monday night, however, we got a double header stack for you beginning at 7 p.m. First, Sam Darnold, the third pick of this year's NFL draft and the rookie out of the University of Southern California, will take his new team, however, the New York Jets, are all the way out to Detroit, if you will, to take on Matthew Stafford and the Detroit Lions at Ford Field at 7 p.m. At 10.30, however, will be the late-night festivities, however, for the West Coast fans and for the East Coast fans, too. 
The L.A. Rams, of course, and Jarek Off and Todd Gurley, however, will be heading to Oakland, if you will, to take on the Oakland Raiders and Derek Carr. All right, J.D., thank you. Thank you very, thank you very much there, of course. Uh, Big-time uh, big stories coming up here, indeed. Let's bring in just one more time. And thank you once again, J.D., for... for uh, <clears throat> Uh, very much there uh, for for bringing in your uh, your uh, news and views here tonight, there, sir. We do greatly appreciate it. 1605-562-0444. Call ID one four one three eight seven pound. This is episode one seventeen of Outside the Ropes. Here, this is of course Wednesday, September fifth, two thousand and eighteen. Mr. WWS Chad Hinshaw and the Iceman Jared D. Blanc are here with you here this evening. Uh, for, while we, before we go to what we'll, we'll take, take care of here next, I'm going to run down the quick lineup here for what we got going on here this evening. First off, coming up here in about an hour, don't forget WWS Wrestling Debate. And much that JD and the rest of the kingdom will definitely have a lot to talk about with what happened on Raw Monday night, with what happened on SmackDown last night. Uh, of course, the all-in show that happened this past Saturday night. Also, of course, on the sale coming up. There'll be a lot of things on the plate here. Uh, I'm sure of every, on everybody's minds here. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, so definitely uh, check that out here. Coming up here about an hour and eight, at 8 o'clock. 139-925-pound. Uh, and then, of course, I'll be back on with WWS Revolution with our live video feed from AWA US History Lives. We'll be talking about the latest wrestling news reviews. I'll be bringing the history and birthdays. Of course, the human suplex machine, John Gross, will be, of course, indisposed here for the evening. Um, plus, we'll also be talking about our give our take on everything that happened here uh, last night on SmackDown, which, of course, I'm sure a lot of people probably have will have a lot to say about what took place last night on SmackDown. Uh, and, of course, some other fun things here. So other, other fun things will take place here as well. Uh, so be sure to join us here for, like I said, for, like I said, Revolution coming up, 138055 pound coming up here at 9 o'clock. Well, let's see here. Uh, well, J.D., I think we can still probably, I know it's not as fun, but I think we can still do, uh, we can do like a one-man, uh, we could, we could do, uh, or like I said, I could just come up with, I can just do like a list of movie trivia questions. I think movie trivia would be good, though. Yeah, I mean, that sounds about right. I mean, yep. sounds about and this is right. what I have to say about that. Hold on a second. Let me just dig it up here. Hold on. Okay, here it is. Go ahead. Please go ahead, All right, Donna Goldfarb. Ladies and gentlemen, the Ramon. Hey, these minstrels will soothe my jingles nerves. I'd just like to say this gig sucks. Hey, up yours, Springfield. One, two, three, four. Hey, I think they liked us. Have the Rolling Stones killed? Oh, sir, those aren't. Do as I say. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, we'll go back. Before, but we haven't done these in a while, so I'm sure. Um, um, let's see. Let's. We got a few minutes here. We'll we'll try to find one with a bunch of questions in here. Let me. Uh, let's see. Let me dig around here. Um, well, let's try this one. Okay, this one's got 21 questions here, JD, and this is all going to be for you tonight. So let's go ahead, and uh, I'm sure he's, he's got he's in the hot seat, ready to go. So, ladies and gentlemen, bring once again the hot seat movie trivia challenge. And, is, and let's, let's see if JD is all set, ready to go. Here, JD, are you? You go. Okay, alrighty. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Question number one: Which of the following actors did not portray? The Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde character in a theatrical feature film version of the Robert Louis Stevenson novella. Was it John Barrymore, Kurt Douglas, Frederick March, or Spencer Tracy? I'm going to say Kurt Douglas. Kurt Douglas. Okay, the answer is, and you're right. In theatrical feature films, the split personality character was portrayed by Barrymore in 1920. March in 1931 and Tracy in 1941, while Kurt Douglas played the character in the made-for-TV 1973 musical. 
believe it or not. Hmm. Very interesting. Which of the following films is generally considered debate or as being debated? Which of the following films is generally considered the first new wave feature film? Um, and, and I'm just going to give the English version. I'm not going to try to pronounce it. I think these are like in, some of these are in French, but I'm not going to try to pronounce the French versions. Is it The 400 Blows, Bitter Reunion, Black Orpheus, or Breathless? I'm going to say Breathless. Breathless, okay. Actually, it's Bitter Reunion. Uh, a let's see, a former let's see, a former critic and director. Um, uh, his movie Bitter Reunion. Uh, it was in 1958. It was in France. It's generally considered the first new wave film. It was a late 50s movement of inexpensive films, typified typified by the use of the jump cut, the handheld camera, natural lighting, nonlinear nonlinear storytelling, on location shootings. And loose Im- improvised direction and editing. Very, very interesting there for back in the day like that. Hmm. All right, JD, which what object hung om- ominously above the bed of the nightmare haunted character of of young fifteen year old Tina played by Amanda Weiss in a nightmare on, on Elm Street from nineteen eighty four? Was it a broken clock, a crucifix, a knife? Or a picture of her delinquent boyfriend, Rod. Rod. It was a picture of Rod, okay. Actually, it was a crucifix. <laughs> During a nightmare, Tina grabbed the crucifix above her bed to help protect her with frequent dreams of girls in white dresses, skipping rope and singing, one, two, Freddy's coming for you, three, four, better lock your door, five, six, grab your crucifix. Ooh, that's creepy. What was the answer? It was a crucifix. The crucifix. That was gonna be my next guess. Sir. Well, that was a that was a that was a freaky movie anyway. I never saw it anyway, and thank God. <laughs> All right, JD. What was the feature film debut of twenty-three-year-old Jane Fonda, the daughter of legendary actor Henry Fonda? That's Balu. Okay, well, that's not one of the choices. Uh, hmm. But let me give you let me give you what they have right here. Maybe one of, one of these might be close enough here. Was it Period of Adjustment, Sunday in New York, Tall Story, or Walk on the Wild Side? Sunday in New York. Sunday in New York, okay. It was actually Tall Story. Hmm. Fonda made her film screen debut and producer director of Joshua Logan's sports comedy, Tall Story, from back in 1960, in the role of college cheerleader June Ryder, who pursued after basketball star Ray Dent. Blint, played by Anthony Perkins, future star and director Robert Redford, playing another basketball star, also made his screen debut in this movie. Hmm. Two people made their debuts here. My goodness. Okay. All right, JD. What was the first film that comic Jerry Lewis made solo after breaking up with his longtime partner, Dean Martin, after the duo had successfully teamed together and made 16 films for Paramount? Was it The, De- the Delicate Delinquent from 1957? Hollywood or Bust from 1956, Rocket by Baby from 1958, or The Sad Sack from 1957. Sorry. Was, yeah, sorry, what was it again? Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll repeat it here again. <clears throat> what was the first film that comic Jerry Lewis made solo after breaking up with his longtime partner, Dean Martin, after the duo has successfully teamed together and made 16 films for Paramount. Was it The, Deli- the Delicate Delinquent from 1957, Hollywood or Bust from 1956, Rocket by Baby from 1958, or The Sad Sack from 1957? Sad Sack. Sad Sack, okay. And the answer is actually The Delicate Delinquent. After being paired with Martin from 1949 to 1956 in 16 films, ending, believe it or not, with Hollywood or Bust in 1956, Jerry Lewis made his first solo film, The Delicate Delinquent, in 1957, and was able to establish a successful career for himself. Uh, Next question here. Soviet premier Nikita Khrushchev visited the Hollywood studio set of which musical film during its making and declared the dancing immoral 
and a symbol of free America's depraved and pornographic culture? Was it Can Can from 1960, Damn Yankees from 1958, Lil Abner from 1959, or Porgy and Bess from 1959? I'm going to say Porgy and Bess. Porgy and Bess. The answer is, it was actually Can Can. Hmm. After visiting the 20th Century Fox set during the film in a can-can in 1960, it was filmed in 1959, Khrushchev propagandistically, oh my goodness, a big word, (laughs) commented that the saucy skit, skirt lifting, and backside displaying dancing of long-legged actress Juliette Krauss in her film debut was immoral. Huh, my goodness. Next question here. In which film did beautiful actress Jean Tierney portray an insanely jealous woman who committed crimes in order to pathologically hold onto her husband's love? Was it Leave Her to Heaven in 1945, Dragon Wick in 1946, The Razor's Edge in 1946, or Whirlpool in 1949? I heard Razor's Edge, Whirlpool. What was the actress' name? Jean Tierney, which one did she portray an insanely jealous woman who committed crimes in order to pathologically hold on? Razor's Edge. Razor's Edge. To her her husband's love. Says Razor's Edge. The answer is actually Leave Her to Heaven. In the film Leave Her to Heaven, 1945, Best Actress nominated Tierney took the role of femme fatale Ellen Bernay, who who deliberately caused the drowning of her husband's polio-stricken teenage brother and the death of her own unborn son by tripping down a flight of stairs. And after poisoning herself with arsenic, she implicated her own adopted sister as the murderess. Huh. Next question here, J.D. What was, four year, what was four-year-old child star Shirley Temple's first film appearance, in, which was in 1932? Was it The Pie-Covered Wagon, The Red-Haired Alibi, Runt Page, or War Babies? War Babies. Babies. Answer is actually Runt Page. Young Temple's first film appearance was in Runt Page in 1932 as Lulu Parsnips, a takeoff on Luella Parsons. It was the first of eight educational pictures, baby burlesque shorts, like takeoffs with toddlers playing adult roles and wearing provocative clothing. Huh. I did not know that. All right, J.D., which film is generally considered the first distinctive horror splatter film with, excess, with excessive gore, blood, bodily mutilation, and violence? Was it Blood Feast, Dawn of the Dead, A Spit on Your Grave, or Night of the Living Dead? Night of the Living Dead. You're going, you're going, you're going to say Night of the Living Dead? Is that what you said? Yeah. Okay. All right, the answer is actually it's Blood Feast. Ooh. Sexploitation director Herschel Gordon Lewis's low budget cult film Blood Feast from 1963 is usually considered the first horror splatter film, although there were some splatter themes in a few earlier films, such as The Horror of Dracula in 1958, Psycho in 1960, and Jigoku in 1960, which was a Japanese film. JD, what was what was the directorial debut feature film of Sidney Pollock? Was it Castle Keep, This Property is Condemned, The Scalp Hunters, or The Slender Th- Thread? Scalp Hunters. Scalp Hunters, okay. And the answer is actually The Slender Thread. Oh, man. Sidney Pollock's feature film debut was for the melodramatic The Slender Thread in 1965 about a Seattle Suicide Hotline Prevention Center. It starred Kelly Savalas, Sidney Portier as a university student volunteer working the phone line, and Ann Bancroft as a pill-overdosed caller. All right, uh, J.D., a book of the dead and a remote cabin in Tennessee, in the Tennessee woods, were two essential ingredients of which horror film? Was it Cabin Fever from 02? The Evil Dead from 81, Frightmare from 1974, or The Hills Have Eyes from 
Olsun. Sorry, what was the, sorry, what was the question? No problem. The question was, a book of the dead and a remote cabin in the, ten, in the Tennessee woods were two essential ingredients of which horror film? Was it Cabin Fever from 2002, The Evil Dead from 1981, Frightmare from 1974, or The Hills Have Eyes from 1977? The Hills Have Eyes, 1977. Okay, The Hills Have Eyes. Actually, it was the Evil Dead, hmm. and Sam Sam Ramey's the Evil Sam. I guess how you pronounce Ramey's. I guess how you pronounce his name. The Evil Dead from 1981 was the first of a trilogy of films. Dormant demonic evil spirits from the ominous surrounding forest went after the group of university students after they after they opened a book of the dead found in the cellar. Which of the following actors was the most frequently cast? In films of Alfred Hitchcock from the 1930s onward, was it Leo G. Carroll, Cary Grant, Edmund Gwynn, or James Stewart? James Stewart. Okay. The answer is actually Leo G. Carroll. He appeared in six Hitchcock films from 1940 to 1959, while the other three actors appeared in only four Hitchcock films apiece from the 1930s onward. Grant appeared in films in 1941, 46, 55, and 59. Wynn appeared in Hitchcock films in 31, 34, 40, and 55. And Jimmy Stewart appeared in, in Hitchcock films in 1948, 54, 56, and 58. Which of the following actors did not portray Hunchback and Notre Dame bell ringer Quasimodo in a theatrical feature film? <laughs> Feature film, a non or and a non TV or non TV version of the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Which of the following did not portray in a a movie? Sorry, was it Lon Chaney, Anthony Hopkins, Charles Lawton, or Anthony Quinn? Lon Chaney. Hey, Bob, you call me back in two minutes. I'm doing this show. Okay, uh, um, you said Lon Chaney. Sorry about that. Yeah. Okay, Lon Chaney, so, okay. The answer was Anthony Hopkins. Hmm. In, in theatrical feature films, Chaney portrayed Quasimodo in 1920 film. 1923, 1920. Blooper time, J.D. Yeah. Uh, Lawton in 1939 and Quinn in 1956. Next one here, JD. Which of the following films did actor Kurt Douglas's character not die by the film's conclusion? Was it Champion from 1949, Detective Story 1951, Gunfight at the OK Corral in 1957, or Spartacus in 1960? Okay, what was the question again? One more time. Sorry. Which of the following films did Kurt Douglas's character not die by the film's conclusion? I'm going to say C. Outside the OK Corral. Okay. The answer is you're right. In champion, boxer Mitch Kelly died of a brain hemorrhage after a championship fight. In Detective Story, contender. Detective Story, police detective Jim McLeod died from gunshot wounds. And in Spartacus, the rebellious slave leader was crucified on a cross. That was yeah, so it's going by the OK Corral. He's his character survived the end of the movie. All right, JD. Which the following film, which film first paired on and off-screen lovers Greta Garbo and John Gilbert? Was it Bardley's The Magnificent in 1926, Flesh and the Devil in 1926, The Torrent also from 1926, or The Temptress from 1926? I'm gonna say A. Bardley's The Magnificent. Okay. Actually, it was actually it was Flesh and the Devil. Their first film together was director Clarence Brown's Flesh and the Devil, Garbo's third American silent film for MGM. It was the first of four films she made with lover John Gilbert, two of which were directed 
by Clarence Brown. All right, J.D., which of the following 1914 films did Charlie Chaplin make, make his debut film appearance? Was it Kid Auto Races in Venice, Mabel's Strange Predicament, Making a Living, or Tilly's Punctured Romance? Tilly's Punctured Romance. Actually, Making a Living. Chaplin's debut film was a comedy short, the six of 12 films featuring the Keystone Cops. Chaplin played a swindler in the film. He had not yet developed his familiar trademark character of the tramp. Chaplin's first feature film appearance was in Tilly's Punctured Romance. <clears throat> in Chaplin's second picture of the 11-minute kid auto races in Venice, he invented his immortal trademark little tramp character. This was actually a, a comedy short that he debuted in. Okay. Uh, J.D., which 1940s Hitchcock film did the villain fall from New York's Statue of Liberty? Was it Suspicion from 1941, Saboteur from 1942, The Paradigm Case from 1947, or Under Capricorn from 1949? A. Suspicion from 1941, okay. Ooh, close. Saboteur from 42. At the conclusion of Saboteur, the first of Hitchcock's two films were universal at the time, the real Saboteur, played by Norman Lloyd, fell to his death from the statue. J.D., which of the following couples was considered the first popular romantic pairing in United in films made in the United States? Was it Francis X. Bushman and Beverly Bain, Ronald Coleman and Vilma Bankey, Charles Farrell and Janet Gaynor, or John Gilbert and Greta Garbo? Uh, B. Did you, did you say B or C? B is in boy. B is in boy. B. Okay, you say Coleman and Banking. Okay, the answer is actually it was Bushman and Bain. They first co starred in Jack Conway's short crime drama, The House of Pride, in 1912. I went on to appear in dozens of films together for SNA and Metro. 1918, Bushman's scandalous extramarital affair with his longtime co star Bain became public. After divorcing his older wife, Bushman secretly married Bain, and the studio feared they would lose popularity. Hmm. In which of the following musical films did Judy Garland appear with actor slash hoofer Gene Kelly? Was it for Me and My Gal from 1942, The Pirate from 1948, Summerstock from 1950, or all three of them? All three of them. Marlon's okay. right. last film appearance with Gene Kelly was in her last completed film for MGM, which was Summerstock in 1950. But yes, she appeared in all of them with Gene Kelly. All right, J.D., which controversial film shot in Utah near a nuclear nuclear weapons test site in Nevada, in the Nevada desert in 1954, but it premiered in 1956, was suspected as the cause of many subsequent cancer deaths of cast members and crew? Was it Blood Alley, The Conqueror, Soldier of Fortune, or The Undefeated? Uh, see. A Soldier of Fortune, okay. And the answer is The Conqueror. Although impossible to prove, actor-director Dick Powell's The Conqueror, 1956, produced by it was, was also produced by Howard Hughes, did expose many of the cast and crew to radiation. Of the Conqueror, get this, JD, of the of the of the film's 220 cast and crew members from Hollywood, 91 contracted cancer. Yes, indeed. J.D., which of the following films did actress Betty Davis's character not die by the film's conclusion? Was it of Human Bondage from 1934, The Petrified Force from 1936, Dark Victory from 1939, or The Letter from 1940? The Letter from 40. 1940, okay. The answer is The Petrified Force. Of Human Bondage, in Of Human Bondage, Mildred Rogers died of tuberculosis. In Dark Victory, Judith Traherne passed away from a, from a malignant, malignant brain tumor. And in the movie The Letter, Leslie Crosby was eventually stabbed. Oh, boy. Bad, what, two, three bad ways to go. Well, J.D., you did pretty good. 
You did pretty good today. You got out of 21, you got about well, you got about three right. So you did all right. That sucked. Well, well, JD, you got to also keep in mind too, JD, that a lot of these were questions that date back even before any of us were born. So, I mean, so there, so there yeah. you have it. Uh, JD, anything you wish to add, sir, before we close up shop tonight? Nope. Uh, do you have a, do you have the thought on what will be taking place coming up on Wrestling Debate in 30 minutes? I have a pretty good idea. Okay, this is it's going to be good though, folks. Be sure to join join JD in the in the in the kingdom on Wrestling Debate coming up here in, at eight o'clock. One three nine nine two five pound. As they, of course, like I said, Raw, SmackDown, All In, Hell in a Cell, everything will be talked about. Plus, some other wrestling stories making the rounds. Be sure to join. Be sure to join them for that. Revolution coming up here at nine o'clock with the live video feed from AWA US History Lives. On that note, here, folks, we do thank you for listening here tonight. Tonight to episode one seventeen of Outside Ropes, <clears throat> and we'll be back on here. Of course, I'll be back on here coming up at nine o'clock with Revolution. JD will be joining you here coming up here in about, like I said, 30 minutes with wrestling debate. For the Iceman, JD, Jared Geronimo, this is Mr. WWS Chad Henshaw uh, saying Outside the Ropes, episode 117 is a broadcast of the WWS Radio Network right here on TalkShoe.com, where we are three years older and continue to be bolder. The radio network continues to be and will forever remain your connection. Take care of yourselves and each other. We'll see you on the red carpet. And we'll be back here again next week with another edition of WWS Outside the Ropes. <clears throat> so, folks, for now, take care and God bless. And we'll talk at you here in 30 minutes on Wrestling Debate and at 9 o'clock for Revolution. Take care and God bless. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.